something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Every day at 9.15, Molly Beck sends one thoughtful, sincere email to someone at the edge of her network. The idea isn't revolutionary, but if the thought of networking makes you queasy, you might want to hear her out and maybe even make it part of your own routine. Today on the show, we talk about the highs and lows of her outreach, how she made this part of her life, and what happened as a result. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. I'm here with Molly Beck, who's an entrepreneur and the recent author of Reach Out, the simple strategy you need to expand your network and increase your influence. Hey, Molly. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No problem. So can you tell us what the Reach Out strategy is? Yes, absolutely. So Reach Out is based around the idea that there's sort of two basic facts. If you want to become someone that's influential in your space, you have to well, you know, one, do great work, and two, have people know about that work. So reach out is sort of hyper-focused on the second part of that equation, having people know about the work that you do so they can recommend you for new jobs and opportunities and projects and sort of the idea that everything comes through who you know. So let's make sure that you know more people. And then getting even more narrow than that, the sort of the core tenet of reach out strategy is sending one message via either email or social media to a person on the edge of your network every single day. Wow, that's that's quite a commitment. Do you feel like there's a difference between email, Facebook Messenger, cold calling people, or is it just whatever you're most comfortable with? You know, the reason I sort of focus on email or social media and sort of more digital tools versus, you know, using the phone is because um, you can do it at your desk. If you have a day job, it's sort of discreet. Um, And usually if you're sort of more someone that maybe the idea of walking into a big networking event and sort of handing out business cards or picking up the phone and calling someone feels intimidating, reach out strategy is sort of an entry point into expanding your network without it being totally overwhelming because at an individual level, every day you're focusing just on one other person as opposed to, I think sometimes when people say, oh, you need to get out there, you need to network, you sort of picture somehow meeting like 50 people at once and it's it's one-to-one relationships. And I think that can sometimes be less anxiety producing. Yeah, because I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, so I, I am on the more introverted side of, mm-hmm. of the world. And um, when you said reach out to someone at the edge of your network every single day, my heart started beating a lot faster. <laughs> it's it's a daunting idea. Like, it's pretty scary, um, first of all, to make the time for it. Um, but second of all, to, to know, like, you know, what's your first word? How do you, how do you construct mm-hmm. that first sentence to, to actually make a connection that is um, more than just surface level? First of all, your heart can calm down because we're going to walk you through how to do it so you don't have to panic. Um, Can you just do it for me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can teach you how to do it. Okay. Um, So when we talk about sort of like the edge of your network, people often think that it means that you're going to be like writing famous people and hoping that they send you an email back. Nope, that's not what it is. So the edge of your network can be people that you're already sort of loosely connected to right now, sort of classic weak ties. And this could look like someone that you used to know really well in the past. Maybe you went to high school or college with them, but you've sort of lost touch. 
It could be someone that you know currently, but they're really more of an acquaintance. You know, you say hi, but you're not you're not super close, but you've met them in real life. Mm-hmm. It could be someone that you met super recently in real life. And that would that's usually if you did go to a networking event, you know, a conference or, you know, a cocktail party or something similar and met someone. Or it's a friend of a friend, um, someone that either you have said, hey, I think you know this person, can you introduce me? Or they've offered to make that connection. So these are all people that are either going to recognize your name or recognize the connector's name in the email subject line or in sort of the email from field. So it's not completely out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. It's not just thinking, oh, okay, there's, you know, random people that I'm going to be sending emails to. Nope. It's people that you're already connected to. Is there a place for sending sort of a cold email to someone that you have no connection to? Yes. But I really don't advocate that more than 20% of your reach outs, which is one out of the five for the week, just because the response rates are so much lower there. I was going to say, I, I feel like that's a better experience for the person at the other end of the email or contact too. I mean, it's what would separate, that's an important distinction. It was, It's what would separate this from like spamming people. Exactly. And also if you're reaching out to someone that's completely cold and you have no connection to them, they might be someone that's getting a lot of cold emails and yours sort of gets lost in the bunch where if it's someone that is having a lot of success in their field, but isn't necessarily quote unquote famous, they're much more likely to be interesting and helpful and offer opportunities to you that, you know, the CEO of J. Crew is probably not going to, you know, give you advice on fashion, but the local boutique owner might be able to give you some advice and then also ask you to come in and shadow his or her for the day. Uh, See, I think that's a really important point that you shouldn't necessarily be going after the biggest name that you can in your network, that you should be thinking about people who are maybe at your level or at varying levels within um, the organization you're reaching out to so that you actually make a real connection and it's not just kind of fan fanboy or fangirling. Right, exactly. Okay, that's such a good word for it. It's not just like sending fan mail. It's thinking about what are my career goals? Who could help me reach them? And how can I write a message that would make them sort of intrigued to talk to me? And I also think, you know, if you are more introverted or you're just more shy, which those don't always go hand in hand, then um, thinking about sort of those secondary connections. So the friends of friends or the people that, um, you know, you always hear your next door neighbor talk about someone that you think to yourself, wow, that's a really cool job or that's really interesting or that's in the same field I am. That sometimes feels more exciting to reach out to because you do already have a connection to them and they, um, they are more likely to respond, but it's not just like, ah, I don't know right, where to start. Yeah. So that's a nice place to start is those friends of friends. Okay. So serious question though, what are you generally trying to get out of these emails? Is it, you know, is there always a next step, like a coffee? Is it a favor you want from them right off the bat? Or are you literally just saying hi? Great question. So it's, so in the book I talk about like sort of gifts and favors. So every time you email someone, you need to offer a gift. And then sometimes you can ask for a favor in return. And a favor would be something like you mentioned, a question, uh, can you help me on this? Something that you're sort of asking a particular definable, non-Googleable It's a tough thing. word. Yeah. I, every time I say that, I struggle over it. I should just be practicing it like in the mirror every day. Um, 
that nobody else can answer. So I always say that when you send a reach out email, you want it to be super obvious to the person getting it that the email is from you and to them. So you should have things that are really distinctive that only you could say or ask and only they could answer. So if you're offering them something like a compliment, you're not going to say, hey, I really liked your book. You're going to say, I really liked your book because XYZ and this is how it changed my life. And here's a very specific question I have for you that nobody else can answer. And I've already done the research. There isn't an article that you wrote that answered this question. So that 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 sort of cuts down that feeling of more of a cold email that it's very obviously from you to them. Does this ever reach a breaking point? I mean, you've been doing this now for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, From a scale standpoint, do you ever just have more conversations than you can handle? You know, I really don't. And to be honest, now that I... I thought that once I hit some sort of level of quote unquote success, I would sort of take my foot off the gas with reach out strategy. Honestly, the opposite has happened. Like I find myself now doing two or three reach outs a day as opposed to the one that, you know, sometimes it was hard for me to think of the one. It's one of those things where it's like, as soon as you see the world as potential connections, you just keep seeing them. And the other thing to think about is, usually when I talk about reach out strategy, people say exactly what you just did, which is, but my inbox, like I'm going to be overloaded. Yeah. How do I manage it? Keep in mind, these are not like random emails from, you know, a haircut place you went to three years ago. That's now sending you sales. These are people that you've specifically identified as someone that you want to know more. So when you do get a response from them, you're going to be excited about it. Um, this isn't like, Oh, now I have to write back. It's like, Oh my gosh, they wrote back. Wait, this is so exciting. And I actually think that sort of doing reach out strategy and being sort of diligent about emailing or or messaging people that you want to get to know more makes you more excited about email and sort of like the internet world at large rather than less excited because it reminds you that everybody in this age that we're living in, if somebody else has, you know, an internet connection and they're alive, you can try to find a way to get in contact with them, which is super exciting. Where did this idea first come from? Was it stroke of genius in the middle of the night? Um, no, yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for my stroke of genius in the middle of the night idea to come. That hasn't happened yet. But, you know, I, I was a finance major in college. I got sort of like an exciting internship at Goldman Sachs that I was very excited about, moved to New York and really thought, okay, great. Like this is going to be my career. I'm going to be somebody in finance. And then this was 2008, 2009, the markets completely sort of imploded. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to work in finance anymore. Hmm. What else can I do? So I started a blog and as part of that process, I was like, hmm, I should really sort of know more people that are also bloggers. So I sent a handful of emails out to people that lived in New York, um, sort of complimenting them or um, telling them I was going to write about them on my blog or something similar. And I got a little bit of response, but nothing that was sort of completely life-changing. And so then time passes on, you know, a couple years go by. And one night I'm at a party in the East Village and I'm talking to this guy who I never saw again after this night. I don't even know his name, but he was telling me about his career and he was having a lot of what I would say is like sort of professional success. And I was just like struck with this idea that while we were talking that the only reason he was having success was because he knew sort of the right people. Mm, And, you know, it's one of those things where I was sort of angry at first because 
I'm living in a city where I don't have, you know, my parents don't have connections. I don't have an Ivy League education. Yeah. You know, I was sort of feeling like, man, like this is really unfair. And so I'm sort of noodling on this idea. I, I think it was a Saturday night. So that Monday morning, I'm at my desk at my day job. And I'm like, man, I should just know more people. Hmm, how could I do that? And I thought back to when I used to send emails to people that were bloggers. And I was like, you know, I should just start sending emails to people and sort of seeing what their response is. So I start sending some emails. I'm getting sort of a positive response. And I'm like, I need to do this every single day. So I put reach out on my calendar Monday through Friday. This is like literally six and a half years ago at this point. And I gave it no end date. And I've been doing it ever since, and it's really been super easy way to sort of change the tra- trajectory of my career. So you literally have it on your calendar. What what time is it? I out of curiosity, do. it's at nine fifteen. That's a really <laughs> good question. Specific. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> yes, it's at nine fifteen. Do you have? I mean, is there a routine? Do you have a cup of coffee? Is it always yes. the same? Okay, that's a great question. So I, it used to be my first cup of coffee, but I'm getting up earlier in the day now. So now it's usually like my second cup of coffee is when I do my my reach outs for the day. And I also, like I just mentioned, I'm actually doing probably more than one now. So I always do one in the morning, and then um, I usually in the afternoon I'm like, oh yeah, there's that other person, and then I usually do one in the afternoon now too. But it's been really nice because you know, so I have this book and there's tons of interviews in the book, you know, endorsements, testimonials, almost every single person that I asked for an endorsement or to be in the book was someone that I had had contact with previously over the past six and a half years. And being able to reply to an old message thread that was, you know, a lot of people, especially for the endorsements on the sort of the back cover, were people that I really admired. And, you know, being able to say, hey, here's this email. Uh, Laura Vanderkamp is one of the people that wrote a testimonial or an endorsement for it. You know, I responded to an email that I sent her in 2013. That was me complimenting the work that she did and telling her how much I loved, I loved the books that she wrote. And to be able to write back and say, Laura, I've been a fan of your work for forever. Here's the proof of it. And now I have this project that I would love your help on is a really sort of powerful way to make sort of a long-term connection with someone. Yeah, it seems to me like there's there's some power in not asking for anything right mm-hmm. off the bat and in, you know, not having any obligation or weight to that communication, really just having it be kind of a nice moment that you can either carry on or leave in the moment. Absolutely. I, I, I could not agree with that more. And sometimes also I think people feel pressure to ask a question. Right. If you don't have a great question to ask someone, not a wonder at all. You can just, I sometimes talk about being a joy in somebody else's inbox, just giving them sort of a really genuine compliment about how much you enjoy their work. Um, can just be a a nice thing to give someone else. And, you know, if you think about your network over the long term, um, you never know where, where careers can lead, where you can lead. When I emailed Laura four years ago to tell her I loved her work, I had no idea that someday I'd be writing a book on networking and be asking her. I just genuinely love, I still do love her work. Um, So starting with a compliment and not feeling so much pressure to ask a favor is important. Something else I want to talk about on that point is that if you do ask for a question, make sure that you keep it really sort of narrow and definable instead of asking something super general that is a burden. to Exactly. Like, yeah. how do I build an audience online? Well, how is someone ever going to be able to answer Write that? Write you a dissertation on that. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And also there's millions of articles about that. If the question is, hey, 
you know, you have a really successful um, audience online in this niche field. What is one tip, you know, just sort of quantifying it with one tip that you wish you had done when you were first starting out that I could learn from, you know, something that's super easy for them to respond to is always going to get a better response than something that, you know, someone rolls their eyes and says, well, that's on Google. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really instructive. I want to dig a little bit deeper on, on you and your experience with this. Laura sounds like she was a meaningful contact mm-hmm. for you. Who was your very first reach out ever? Uh, that's a good question. Um, my first reach out was um, to a woman named Judy Casper Coe. She, I had read about, I was reading Lucky Magazine, this is 2009, and it was um, they had a really small piece on this online boutique that had just started that was selling only dresses. And I love dresses. I primarily wear dresses. I, so I was like Googling, trying to figure out what this book, it was called Sunday Brunch Dress. So I was Googling, trying to figure out what's the deal with Sunday Brunch Dress. And I realized that they... At the time, I believe they only had one employee and I was sort of looking for a full-time job. And so I'm like, hmm, I really want to get to know Sunday brunch dress better. So I sent her an email and was just, hey, here's my blog. I'm going to write about your boutique. I would also, I know you're in New York City. I would love to get together. And at the time, it's so funny because now as I'm saying this out loud, it sounds like, oh yeah, that was easy to write. But I, re- I distinctly remember laboring over that email right. because it was the first time I sent an email to someone that, you know, I really didn't have a connection to besides genuinely admiring what they were doing. And Judy wrote, Judy didn't write back right away. So probably about a week went by. And then I sort of sent her sort of, I called a nudge update email where I was sort of like nudging her to respond and like giving her an update. So I, I'd written about it on my blog. And so I sent her the link and was like, Hey, I just want you to know that I actually wrote the piece about your blog would love to connect. And then that got her attention enough that she responded. And she actually asked to to meet. And oh, wow. I remember we went to um, we went to like I think it's called Irvington Street Coffee. I've never been back there since then, but it was it's a cute coffee shop. And I had never met anybody from the internet sort of in real life before. And I remember sitting in this coffee shop being like, oh my gosh, like I was sweating. I was so nervous. What are we gonna talk about? Yeah. What are we gonna do? And you know, so Judy and I had a nice conversation. She wasn't currently hiring. Nothing sort of quote unquote tangible came out of that conversation. But the fact that she was open and like willing to meet with me sort of, I think that that idea sort of percolated in my brain for a long time. And when I did start a few years later, really getting serious about reaching out, the fact that she was open and willing to meet with me was important. And it's also something I think about when people email me now for advice or asking to get together. I think about how Judy meeting me was very impactful when I was just starting out. And I try to pay that forward. It's so funny to me because that's, I mean, that's pretty bold for, you know, 2009. (laughs) You are you know, years before Tinder even starts and you're essentially going on a professional (laughs) Tinder date, you know, kind of blind meeting. That's that's a pretty daunting feeling. As I was feeling. saying this to you, I was thinking, I don't even think I was doing online dating. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think I think maybe a couple years later, I started on the online dating craze. But like, I think she was like the first person that I met from the internet, which is so crazy. So was there ever a time that you had the the bad the bad Tinder date of of reaching out that it didn't go well for mm-hmm. you? You know, I did have an experience recently that was a little bit of a bummer. Um, 
you know, I had reached out to someone that I really, so I'd been doing all these interviews for this book. um, And the question I asked a lot of people was, what's someone you reached out to that had a really sort of like positive, impactful response that sort of changed the course of your professional life? And the same person kept coming up over and over again in all these different interviews that I was doing. I think it was like, I think it was like four or five different sort of people that were not connected to each other all listed this one person as being extremely influential in their career. They had sent him an email and he had written back something extremely nice. And so I've admired him for years, but I'd never really had a reason to reach out to him. Right. So um, I sort of like collated, I sort of like uh, stripped out identifying information and sort of put these compliments that these four different people had given him into an email and sent it off to him and was like, hey, I'm working on this book. I just want you to know that I've asked you know, 50 different people this question and like 10% of them have all said that their exchange with you was super impactful. Um, just wanted you to know that. And, you know, you know, I see you and I'm, you know, impressed by you or something like that. And I wasn't asking him for anything. I wasn't, I didn't actually end up using that in the book. So it wasn't even right asking his permission to be in the book. It was literally just, it's so funny. It was literally just an email of like random compliments people had given him that I, I mean, if someone sent me an email with like random compliments, I'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Um, but I don't know. For whatever reason, he wrote back like literally five minutes later. It was super fast. I sent it on a Wednesday night and he wrote back super fast and was really negative about the idea for the book I was writing. I think he thought that I was telling people to contact famous people to and stand. like sort of, yep. I think he was really worried people were going to start because he's. I would consider him sort of famous in his industry. I think he was worried that people are going to start sort of, you know, sending him all these random emails. Yeah. And, bristled at, um, it. at the time I was actually, I was actually really upset when I got it back because I had admired him for so long. So I sort of like quickly, I remember I was in a Starbucks and I was doing this. I wrote back and I was like, actually, no, this is what the book is about. And I sort of like clarified that it's really about people that you have already met. It's like about those weak ties as opposed to like complete cold emails. You know, I said, when the book comes out, I would love to send you a copy. I think that it's actually different than what you're saying. Yada, yada, yada. And he just wrote back, we'll see, period. (laughs) Which I thought was like, I just thought that was sort of, overly cold cold exactly and so when the book and when I ended up getting sort of like the advanced copies I sent him again a really nice email being like hey like you know the reality was his sort of reaction to it made me sort of rethink what how to do the intro of the book and how to talk about the book in a way so oh, people that's interesting. make that mistake yeah and I told him that I was like hey when I you know we had this exchange you made me rethink this I rewrote it I really think that you'd actually find it interesting, blah, blah, blah. Can I send you a copy? And, and he said no. Um, so, okay, let me stop you there. Yeah. yeah. Does an experience like that get under your skin? Does it stay with you? How do you carry on? Because it seems like you are mm-hmm. setting yourself with each of these emails every mm-hmm. single day. You're setting yourself up for either acceptance or rejection. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wonder how you handle that when it comes back rejection. So in some ways you are sort of setting yourself up for quote unquote acceptance or rejection. The reality is, is that I've had very few experiences where someone really like shuts down whatever I'm reaching out to them for. You know, the one I just told you is sort of an outlier. Usually what you set up for is either a response back or just sort of radio silence. People don't respond at all. Right. That. I think in the beginning when you just start out, it can feel sort of sad when someone doesn't respond 
and it's okay to send them. I call it like a nudge update email, like, you know, two weeks later or something, just with some more information and sort of reminding them that you, you exist and you send them this email. But I don't think that sort of like since you're sending these emails every single day, and since that is a sort of a core tenant of reach out strategy, the reality is you kind of start to forget people you reached out to unless they respond. So when I was doing research for this book, I'm going through my inbox from, you know, you know, this is honestly like two email addresses ago from like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, there were so many emails I sent that I just had no memory. I had sent them yeah. because it was true CRM. Exactly. I do need a CRM. Because if you're sending that many emails, you, you get sort of less hung up on the emotional aspect of every single email. And I'm sure at the time I was like, man, they didn't write back, but it wasn't like devastating where if you only ever, if the only reach out I ever sent was to Judy from Sunday brunch dress and she never wrote back, I would definitely remember that. But since I've sent probably thousands at this point, I, there's no way I could tie it back to one. So you're setting yourself up for acceptance or a little bit of radio silence. But if you keep working, keep iterating, over time, only the sort of positive experiences will stay out in your mind. Okay. So from your perspective, Molly, mm-hmm. what's better? A single reach out a week that is mm-hmm. really carefully crafted, where you've mm-hmm. done a bunch of research into it, that's very personal, mm-hmm. or five reach outs that are that do an okay job at that? Ooh, wow. That is a tough question. Okay. So I'm going to say the first one, if you really only have time for one a week, make it, or if you only have time to create sort of like one great email, I would do, I would start at the entry level of one a week. That's still 52 a year. That's a nice place to start. And I'm also guessing that as time goes on, if you write sort of one email a week, that's well written you'll realize that you can pull parts of it or you can sort of like pull things out of it and reuse it in other emails, which will make the time go down, how much it takes to send each reach out. But I would definitely advocate for one well-crafted email as opposed to five that are kind of annoying because you want to be a joy in someone else's inbox and an email that's clearly copy-pasted, has spelling errors, is not unique to the person that's getting it. That's sort of a waste of time for everyone. Um, So start with the one a week, um, but then I'm hopeful that as you see success that you start doing that more often. Yeah, because it seems like the the challenge would be, you know, the maintaining the level of sincerity and and Mm -hmm. thought for every email. you know, without having to, to repurpose or, or kind of go into a, a mode of a canned email. Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever Well, you know, it's one of those things where I think it takes less time than it sounds like it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's once you sort of get into the groove, it's about eight to 10 minutes per reach out. So I start mine at 915. I am almost always done by 930, like very rare exceptions to that. And that includes finding someone's contact info. You can sort of condense that into 15 minutes. Also, if there's some ways you can do it. So you could, if you have sort of a block in your week, um, like a Sunday night or Friday afternoon, where you have 45 minutes, 50 minutes to sort of do some thinking, you can actually do your your five reach outs for the entire week in that sort of block of time. And you can schedule them to go out, you know, use Boomerang for Gmail or a similar service to go out in the morning every day that 
the next week and then you're done for the entire week. The reason that I don't advocate for sending all five emails at once when they're done being written is because you want to be able to respond quickly when someone sort of responds back to you, you know, inbox management, what we're talking about here. And if you send them all out on a Monday morning and three of them respond, you know, within two hours, suddenly your day is thrown off trying to respond quickly and graciously to all of them. Or if you do one a day, I'm assuming you'll have time to respond in sort of a nice, polite, interesting way if you're only getting one back a day. That makes sense. All right. So we, we've gotten some some good tips on how to do this, how to structure it into your mm-hmm. life. I want to talk a little bit about the future of professional networks as a whole. It feels like we haven't quite updated how we construct our professional networks ever. Um, we still kind of yeah. count on the same types of interactions, the same, you know, want to meet up for coffee dates. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you, I, you know, I've had days where I've had six or seven cups of coffee. Wow. That's how, that you know, is incredible. That's how you talk. See, you're- I mean, you're someone that that doesn't surprise me that you get a lot of reach outs because you have a popular podcast, among other things. So you're sort of someone that's like out there when people think, who do I need to know? I'm assuming you're sort of top of mind, which is nice, but also a challenge if you're someone on the internet that's getting a lot of reach outs. Six or seven cups of coffee a day, by the way, is a lot. I would be like on the ceiling. I was going to say that could be more of just a, a, an insight into my level of caffeine at any given moment. <laughs> but But I am curious, like it does seem like the idea of a coffee date after a while can get kind of stale is Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on like how we can update the way we construct these networks and the the way that we have these interactions? Mm -hmm. Um, So first thing on the coffee date note, I don't advocate asking for someone for coffee in your first sort of interaction with them asking someone for coffee and being like, oh, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Sometimes people think that they're giving them a gift, like, oh, I'm going to buy you a cup of coffee. No, it's really an obligation. Like you spending two fifty on a cup of coffee, like when they have to drive to the venue and sit with you and give you maybe free advice for an hour, that's not really a fair exchange. Right. So if you're having a sort of a positive back and forth via email or social media, it's okay then to ask once you've already made contact, already provided some sort of value to them, um, to ask to get together, you're going to want to go to a location that they choose. You're definitely going to want to pay for whatever they get, whether that's lunch, dinner, coffee, and then you're going to want to be really respectful of their time. But that's sort of a later step. Thinking about sort of networking just as coffee dates is extremely limiting if you don't live in a major city or you're a remote worker or you're a student that maybe doesn't have sort of the space or the time or the money to take someone out. Um, So I would love to get away from that mentality that like networking is coffee dates. There are tons of ways to talk, have a really great sort of thriving back and forth email conversation with someone that you really respect and that can sort of become a mentor to you without ever meeting in person because you live in different cities or um, they're super busy or, you know, there's tons of different reasons why you might not meet in person. Yeah. So Uh, One of the things that this brings up in my mind is a few months ago now, we had a woman on the podcast named Lisa Skeet Tatum, um, who you should do a reach out to if you think of it. Uh, Now I have something in common with her, so I can call that out to her. I'll listen to her episode of The Girls Show first. I'll think of something that she said that was funny or interesting. And then I'll say, Megan told me that we might have this in common. So I will, she can be my my reach out for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm feeling ambitious. Just, Just giving you things to jump off of. But but so Lisa Skeet Tatum, the thing that stands out to me about her episode is she was on the show talking about job hunting and she encouraged mm-hmm. people to build their networks as you are. But she had a lot to say about uh, this idea of codifying your network into groups, sponsors, partners, mm-hmm. mentors, and so on. 
I wonder what you think about that idea of, you know, how you categorize the different people you're reaching out to and uh, if you do a similar thing in your own reach outs. That's really interesting. So I don't codify my network like that. What I do do is I sort of think about about every three to six months, I sort of make a list of maybe five professional goals. And people often think professional goals have to be like, get a new job, but they're often a lot, a lot smaller than that. Um, And I think, okay, so like one of my goals right now is to do more um, speaking at colleges. And then even smaller than that is to do more speaking at colleges that are like local to where I live. So who are some people that would be sort of decision makers at those colleges? And then I make a list of either people I know or what I think their job title would be. Um, And then more specific than that, who are their names? And then those are the people that I really focus on the reach outs for the next like usually like three months. So it's not necessarily like here are my sponsors, here are my mentors, here are um, sort of my other groups, but it is sort of lumping them almost by professional goal and what I think would make sense. Got it. That that does make sense. I like the idea though. I mean, when I do my reach out to her, I (laughs) I like the idea of, um, I talk about like a reach out tracker a lot, which is like just keeping a track, literally keeping track of who you're reaching out to, um, sort of what you offered them, what they could um, give you in return if there was something like there right now that you could ask them, um, just so that you sort of had a more formal reference. I like the idea of adding a column to it. That's just like, is this a sponsor? Is this a mentor? Is this a potential partner? Sort of just like calling out really how you might actually work together. Yeah. So top level, how many people have you um, reached out to over the years through this? I, so I do know, I have run the numbers on how many people I reach out to each year. So if I, if you reach out to one person, if you start today and every weekday for the next year, you reach out to one new person, one year from today, you'll have made like started conversations with 260 people. Even if you only get a 40% response rate, which is honestly relatively low, by the end of the year, you'll have had back and forth conversations with at least 104 new people. Um, so sort of extrapolating that out. So I've been reaching out for almost seven years now. Um, That's at least 700 people that are part of my network now that weren't when I started this. Honestly, it's probably a lot higher than that. The 40% response rate is the number I talk about, but I, in the book, sort of break down the different types of reach outs you can do and sort of the average response rate, which ranges from like 25 to 80%, depending on who the target is. Um, I love that you have metrics behind this and you're so intentional about building out your network and kind of your personal brand? Well, you know, I think networking is one of those things that if you're someone that's very extroverted, you instantly get it. If you're someone that's maybe more not analytical, but maybe more measured, then you want to be able to see that they're going to have results. So there's definitely lots of sort of numbers in the book, lots of studies. Like here's a, here's a fact that I think is super interesting. If someone refers you to a job, like, Hey, this person would be a good person for this job. You tend to be hired two out of three times, like just from that referral. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I know that from my own personal experience. Exactly. It's all who you know. And you can totally rail against that and be like, I hate that the way of the world is who you know. It should just be about who does great work. And you can spend a lot of time sort of fighting that idea. Or you can say, how can I hack networking to make this work for me? This is a strategy that 10 minutes a day could grow your network pretty exponentially. And also, it's kind of a lot of fun. Like once you get into it and sort of push the nerves for it, you'll be like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I'm like meeting all of these really interesting people without, you know, leaving my computer, without leaving my work or leaving my 
my office. Yeah, so I'm fascinated by who you're fascinated by. Can you give me a scoop on who you reached out to yesterday and why? Yes, that is such a good question. So I've been thinking more recently that I really want to do a TED Talk, but I don't, and this has been a goal of mine for like, honestly, probably like two years and probably about a year ago, I was really dedicated to it. I sent a ton of reach outs to people that um, were running TEDx conferences being like, this is what I want to talk about. I think this fits in with what you're doing. Could we, could we talk? And I really got no response. It was kind of a, I I did get response, but nothing that I was excited about. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about who I know that has already done a TEDx talk. And if I could sort of have a conversation with them about how they developed their idea and how they sort of like actually got made contact with the person that was the organizer. So my reach out yesterday was to this woman named Melody Wilding, who I sort of know. She's we I've met her in real life a couple of times, but I wouldn't say we're super close at all. She's sort of like a classic weak tie. And she had a TEDx talk um, about a year ago. And so my my email to her was, hey, I'm getting more serious about this. Um, here's like my three questions for you. Would you would you mind answering them? Um, cause I, I want to make this a priority, but I don't really know where to start. And I, you know, I was kind of vulnerable. I was like, you know, I've tried this for a while. Yeah. It's just not working. Um, how did you get, how did you get yours? And maybe I'm thinking about this totally wrong. Yeah. It feels like that vulnerability is actually kind of a pretty <laughs> I cool really part. hope, uh, Melody responds because <laughs> if not, I'll send her this podcast and be like, hi, but she has a great TEDx talk. If you're, if you're looking for someone, it's a really nice one. Absolutely. Okay, so how can people find your work? So you can buy the book, Reach Out. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on social. I'm M.S. Molly Beck. That's um, M-S-M-O-L-L-Y-B-E-C-K on all social platforms. And you can always email me. I'm MissMollyBeck at gmail.com. And um, I really, I do respond to every email I get. And I really do enjoy connecting with people. It's, I was going to say, it's so refreshing to have someone who doesn't actually hide their email address. Oh, no. Who's open to I, I being... have my email like everywhere across the internet because I love, you know, I, okay, this is just, just my one last point before I go. I think sometimes people get worried if they have their email address up, a lot, a lot of people will email them. I have really not found that to be the case. I've had my email up across the internet for 10 years now. I don't think I get any more spam than the average person. And I, you know, I do get a fair amount of emails, but it's definitely nothing that's completely unmanageable. And if you if you want to sort of wade more into networking, but you're not sure where to start, having your email address be visible is a way for people that may be looking to contact you to show that you're very open to having sort of those conversations. And you can even call out what you're looking to connect with, you know, in your Twitter bio say, you know, like love to connect with other people in, you know, B2B marketing and then have your email or or something similar. Got it. All right. So I guess you could say to summarize, it's just try, make it authentic. Yes. Offer something of value and yep. stick with it. Yep. Every day or as often as you can do it and focus on being sort of a joy in someone else's inbox. And and I think good things will happen to you. Perfect. All right. We'll leave it there. Molly, thank you so much for taking the time. This is my first official reach out, I guess. Um, and I'll, <laughs> thank I'll you so going. much. And thank you for that idea of the person to connect. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> hey, you're still here. Good on you. Thanks for sticking around. I have one last real quick ask. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. I know, I know, it sounds played out, but it actually helps people find the show. And it makes my mom proud. 
So thank you in advance. Oh, and hi, Mom. <laughs>